Hello everyone and welcome to Amateur Film School. I'm Brandon. I'm Sarah. And we are going to talk about Alien this week. Yes, Alien from 1979, directed by Ridley Scott. Yep. Starring Sigourney Weaver and Sigourney Weaver. And Jonesy the Cat. Jonesy the Cat, the only other important character. Yes. Because he, li he literally, the plot hinges on his survival, basically. What do you mean? Like, she goes out to save him when she uh, could pretty yeah. much just leave at that point. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, do you want to talk about the plot a little bit? Sure. What's so, this movie about, Brandon? In quick summary, this movie is... So, there's these, um... There's this crew of seven people, and they're out on this, like, gigantic ship called the Nostromo. And I think basically what they do is, like, harvest minerals from other planets or whatever. And then the giant ship that they're on is basically a refinery. Um, so they're on their trip home, and they intercept or are contacted by some, like, mysterious signal or whatever. And part of their protocol is that they have to investigate the signal in case it's, like, someone in need of aid or whatever. So they go to investigate. And then basically an alien somehow gets on their ship, and they have to try to kill it or die. Mostly they just die. Mostly they die, yeah. Spoiler alert. This is a horror film, so mm -hmm. you... That's like common horror movie trope where you start with a large group of people and then slowly they... Yeah, you whittle down. Yeah. yeah. So basically we start with seven people and a cat, and you're left with one person and a cat by the end of the movie. But the cat survives, that's all I care about. Right, and that's all that really mattered in the end. Like, even when it was a little dodgy for Sigourney Weaver there in the end, I was mm -hmm. like... But the cat's, but the cat's okay, so yeah. will be fine. Right. <laughs> the cat was not a distress signal. <laughs> Um, Same. That was the cat. Not that me. was the cat. I must have said something offensive. <laughs> In cat? Well, I never. <laughs> and speaking of that type of horror movie, um, usually you're given an ensemble type of cast mm -hmm. that they can whittle down, and the characters are like, they're individual because giving them those personalities when they're whittled down so fast helps you to attach to them, I feel. Yeah, um, everybody quickly establishes their personality like, right. right in the first, like, five minutes. So, like, in modern ones, you have, like, the cheerleader and the jock and then the nerdy kid and then, you know, the one that's kind of just the normal person who is yeah. the hero of the movie. Um, so, and there's definitely those ones in the, in this movie, too. Yeah. Um, who would you consider the jock? I'm going to say the captain. Yes, Captain <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> Who's the nerdy stoner? The nerdy stoner, um... The black the, guy's friend, the guy in the Hawaiian shirt. With the hat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's the nerdy stoner. Um, Horror movie tropes. Right. Uh, you the cheerleader. The cat. Maybe. Yes, the cat. And then you have the quiet one, which is um, Lambert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not everyone's the cat. <laughs> the cat is all the tropes. So you have the quiet one that's Lambert, and then you have, like, the loud one who wants to get stuff done, which is um, Parker. Is it Parker? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then you have the kind of loud one that wants to get stuff done, which is Parker. He's like the headstrong one. Um, Who's always, is constantly eating stuff. Yeah, and chewing, like all the time. And then you have the mysterious one, yes. which was Ash. And from the get-go, you were like, something's off about this guy. Yeah, because it's like all this shit is happening and he never reacts. Yeah, and then come to find out, he's a freaking robot. 
That is the actor is Ian Holm. Yeah, he did a pretty good job. Um, because like given that he's not supposed to react because he's a robot, and those subtle hints where you're like, there's something really off about this guy. Yeah, he's a really good actor. I also saw him in. Did you ever see Fifth Element? No. Culpa Nalat. Okay. Um, <laughs> he plays a priest in Fifth Element, uh-huh. and he's very good at like these like. Because he's also in a lifeless ordinary. He's very good at these like. Um, quietly angry yeah roles? like the reserved anger yeah yeah like that like really like you can tell there's like rage right beneath the mm-hmm. surface yeah but he doesn't show any emotion right so that reveal was pretty crazy yeah uh, but at the same time you knew that something was going to happen eventually and it kind of bubbled on the surface until you know it finally came out so this was sigourney weaver's first major role how do you think she did i feel like i say this about every movie <laughs> when it. the lead actor does an amazing job um but yeah, she really did. Um, you could tell that she, given the ensemble cast, there's still going to be that one hero, and you knew that w- it was her, um, given the way she spoke to the other people and sort of her qualities. Because she was like, she's like the law abider kind of, because mm-hmm. she's like, don't bring him in here because you're breaking quarantine or whatever. But then as the movie goes on, you can tell that she's the one that's kind of like leading things, especially after the captain, who's actually the leader, dies. Yeah. See, if I hadn't known about the sequels and mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver starring yeah. in the rest of them I would have pegged Dallas as the exactly, yeah. survivor but then because that's typical like oh the leader mm-hmm. you know either they sacrifice themselves or they survive right and in this movie I mean I wouldn't even say he sacrificed himself because he was just you know trying to I yeah, guess further the plot along he was just trying to hunt it or whatever and the then third he dies person to die yes because the first person to die is the one that gets first gets infected by yeah the first you know, British guy yeah the first British guy and then the dude with the Hawaiian shirt and the hat. Because uh, I remember that because uh, Ash calls the xenomorph Kane's son at some point. Right, because it like grew inside of him. Yeah. Um, and then there's the dude with the hat and the Hawaiian shirt. He's the second one and then Dallas is third. Um, but as far as everyone else is acting, again, it was like an ensemble cast and everyone kind of filled their niche really well. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're referring to them as dude in the Hawaiian shirt and the hat and really loud guy <laughs> and british guy number one but it's because they and filled british those robot. and british robot because they filled those roles really well um as important as names are i feel like they also fit into those characters so well and they acted really well so yeah i don't know i don't think anybody won acting roles for this though i know it won one oscar i'm not sure what it was it was for visual effects visual, but yeah definitely like good great performances for sure so, this was probably one of Ridley Scott's first prominent roles as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, he'd go on to direct Gladiator. Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner is probably another prominent sci-fi movie that he's done. He's also most recently done The Martian. The Martian, which I'm insisting we watch at some point. He's really good at building tension. Yeah. So, like, in this movie, like, he builds tension a lot because I noticed a lot of his shots, um, like we've talked about this, uh, they hang a lot. Yeah. Like, I felt like the movie... I didn't want to say it would move, it was moving too slowly, but it was definitely pacing itself. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, slow moving around, um, getting to what they need to do, and then there's, like, a big jolt of action, and then it sort of falls away. And I think that really fit because I feel like the theme of the alien is that it lies in wait until it's ready to strike. And yeah. so it's like, they're just... They're preparing and stuff, and then they do stuff, and then, boom, it hits. And then there's, like, an emergency or a crisis, and then it cools off again. Yeah, if you notice his framing, it's either wide shots or, like, extreme close-ups. Right. 
And so it's like you never get like a good visual of what's around them. Mm-hmm. So it's either this like, like in the especially in the opening shots, it's like panning around space. Yeah, I really love that. And then it's panning around the space station. Well, the the freighter, mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of nothing as well. Right. And so it's almost like it's, it makes you feel really isolated. It like does. I almost wish that we could see it in big screen mm-hmm. because that's one of the things that I liked about seeing Interstellar in the theater. Was you feel so small, right? When and you're just looking up at a giant screen mm-hmm. of blackness, and, and so then it's like, sorry. No, 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 go. Sorry, I kept trying to. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just makes you feel really small, and then also like the music cues and the kind of sound effects. I think would translate a lot better with mm-hmm. surround sound. I mean, yeah. we're just watching it on my like, forty-inch TV. Right. With, I like... was like, forty inches is bragging, is it? <laughs> is it? Mm. And then, Um, like, without any auxiliary speakers or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But, because there's, like, a lot of, like, visual cues, like, you hear that, like, weird, like... Yeah, like, the clicking sound, right. And you're like... Yeah. And to the point of the whole feeling small and isolated, Mm -hmm. um, using those wide shots, like, that's just, like, a basic technique for really making the subject feel small. Yeah. And and then what he does is that he goes from that to an extreme close-up where they're, like, really boxed in. And yes, given their and situation, it, 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 it really works. Because it. it's like, you know, there's all that empty space, and when it's just on their face, then you're like, well, the alien could be anywhere right now. Yeah, and, like, all you're seeing is their reactions. Right. That's why, uh, who is the the other female? Lam- Lambert. Yeah. Yes. Um, in that final scene, at least the final scene with her yeah. and Parker, yes. right? Um, where they're gathering up supplies because they're trying to get off the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to escape from the alien. Um you don't see the alien. Exactly. You see its shadow. So at mm-hmm. first you're kind of like, oh, it's the other guy. But then you see from her face... That it's looking at her and it's right in front of her. Yeah. And right. so I think a lot of his compositions work really well. I don't like horror movies. Neither do like, I. I'm not to be the honest. Kind, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the kind that can just like... I don't enjoy going to horror movies. Yeah, no. Like, I remember the first time I saw Paranormal Activity. Oh, goodness. Um, Me and my friend Alex went and the entire movie... I was, like, staring into her shoulder. Yeah. Because it's just, you know... Like, I don't find entertainment in it. Yeah. Like, not to knock on it or hate on it or to hate the people that do it, but it doesn't entertain me. Like, I can't deal with jump scares. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, like, it lulls you into, like, a sense of calm. And then especially when you know it, too. Because mm-hmm. then you're just like, okay, when is going to happen? Like, I'm ready. Just do it to me. Especially when they hit that, like, that violin string. Like, mm-hmm. Ee- yeah. And they could hold it for 50 seconds. Yeah. And then do it, or they could do it right then when you're thinking about how long they're going to hold it. Yeah. Which is the point, and it really works. It rubs like, me the wrong way, but, like, I appreciate what they can do to your mind. Yeah. And I, th- I feel like um, directors, a lot of the time, that's kind of how they get their start, is, within, is like, within horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because it kind of, it shows, it shows your skills. Yeah, it shows I how feel, you can get into the mind of the viewer, which I feel like is a goal in movie making. Yeah, because if you look at this, it's like, okay, well, after they gave him Alien, they gave him Blade Runner, which mm-hmm. is a really big movie. Um, but then he, like, he goes on to these bigger films. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost like the testing grounds. Because I want to say, like, another director got their start in, like, horror movies, too. Because mm-hmm. it is, like, it is something where you can test all of your basic skills it's like can you build tension can you um work well with a composer mm-hmm. right can you work well with your actors because horror movies require a lot of trust a lot of the times between your actors and the director right um like that scene with the chest burster oh yeah that was one take 
Yeah. Like, that's, like, crazy. And it's you must like, have been a great director if you could have pulled that off in one take. Because yeah, because it's, like, crazy. everybody has to be in the right spot. You know, you have to be able to catch everybody's... Um, Actions and reactions. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, I think it was done with multiple cameras. Yeah, I think it was, like, four. Yeah, and so it's, like, showing can you work with a crew well. Because right. Because you know he's not going to be able to jump behind each camera. Exactly. And then, like, you have to make sure your actors don't get into each other's frames or the cameras aren't each other's frames. Uh, there's just all those angles that you have to deal with. And to get that in one take, like, boom, yeah, you can direct anything now. <laughs> yeah. I can see why they they went on to give him these like bigger mm-hmm. um bigger productions right uh one of the th- one of the things i found interesting was the studio was so impressed with him after they saw his storyboards mm-hmm. that they doubled his production yeah budget it was like four million originally and then they upped it to eight million because right. they were just like really impressed with him right so it just goes back to one of those things where like if you're willing to put in the work then people will notice it and people will reward you for it yeah do you have anything else to say about Ridley? Mr. Um, Sorry, Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott. We're not on first name basis with him. No. Leo, though. Leo's cool. Yeah. Still still up for drinks. <laughs> just every week. <laughs> every week. Until it happens. Um, I mean, I just feel like talking about The Martian, but that's not what we're talking about. But I it's mean, Ridley Scott. I mean, yeah, if it's relevant to his directing style. I, I mean, yeah. Um, I guess in The Martian, it was a lot about isolation, obviously, because it's one guy alone on Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, he did a really good job of showing that isolation and dealing with survival in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really glad that he was given the opportunity to, to direct that movie um, because it's a really great story and it really came out really well. Okay, so visuals. Um, talking about visual effects, this is obviously... A visual effects movie. <laughs> yeah. Given that it won an Oscar for it. Um, there's shots with when it's like out in space. You can see their cuts you know yeah and so um that's not really like one of the parts where it shined yeah um i almost wish they would pull like a star wars and go back and just clean those shots up a little bit don't mm-hmm. go all the way yeah just kind of like you know buff right. a little bit just make it a little shinier yeah um but as far as the xenomorph design that's was, that's where it wins yeah um it was designed by geiger the late and great Geiger. Mm-hmm. Um, they use like a lot of biological material in its construction. Oh yeah, like when it's even in egg form or whatever, like they used like sheep intestines and cattle liver. Yeah, and it looked really real, which is obviously the it, point. Like, grossed me out. Yeah, it really did. Like because I once, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That's too real." Yeah. Um. And then the. <laughs> A very wonderful person was telling me about the Nigerian actor who, who played plays the Xenomorph. Xenomorph. Yeah. Um, apparently, he was, like, not an actor or even in kind of the film industry at all before mm-hmm. this. He was just, like, at a bar one day, and the casting director saw him and was like, hey, do you want to be in a movie? Because he's, like, seven feet tall. Yeah. Um, and they needed someone tall, obviously, to fit the costume. Right. Um, like, his body shape, you know, he was skinny. Yeah, he fit the bill, legs. basically. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's funny, like, the way they were, like, like, not just, like, the biological materials that they used, but they also used a lot of condoms, you yeah. know, and, and lube. Yeah, like, the alien always looks wet, and yeah. that's, like, KY jelly all right. the way. 
And you could just imagine them going to like a supermarket and be like, okay, we're gonna buy this many things of lube and this many condoms. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you even gonna do? Well, it's actually common in the film industry for them to use condoms. Yeah, well. On the, um, or the sting mics, the, the ones that they hide on their bodies. Like a love layer? Yeah. Yeah. The battery packs for them mm-hmm. that they keep down in the small of their back. Right. It gets really sweaty right there. Yeah. So one of the common things that they'll do is that they'll use a condom over the there you go. the battery pack. Yeah. In order to protect it. Multiple uses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then besides, obviously, the awesome visual effects that are put into play with mm-hmm. the xenomorph, um, just like the visuals and the shots themselves. Uh, we talked about you know the wide shots and the close up shots. Um, but lighting is a big deal in horror movies uh, yeah. because it's what people are able to see or not see. And there's stuff like the strobe lighting that was like basically giving us seizures. Yeah. Um, warning, it's disorienting. Yeah, yeah warning warnings. To anybody who has epilepsy, do not watch this movie. Yeah. Unless you're heavily medicated. But it definitely helps uh, set the tone. Uh, and lighting is, like I said, very important for this genre. Um, flashing lights and then I guess this isn't really visuals but with the sounds also like the blaring alarms and trying to hear out for the alien itself well that's near the climax of the film right and that's when it's all building and it's getting crazy because she's setting a self-destruct sequence on the freighter Mm -hmm. and jumping on one of the one of it's like a pod yeah the pod pod, ship it's it's like a a, like a landing a landing ship yeah and it's like all these lights, like you said, and the sounds work together right. to create like this really um, like tense atmosphere. And then there's music in the background too. Yeah. And then she finds out the xenomorphs very, on the ship, so she has yeah. to like go back and forth, and it's chaotic. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of segues into the music. Mm-hmm. Um, let me. You you can talk about it while I look up the composer. Well, like we brought up last week with our first sort of horror movie, um, the music in this is less in the background and more in your face. Uh, as it is with horror movies because, you know, you're trying to jolt the wa- the viewer. Um, so there's a lot of violins and high-pitched strings and then, like, soft things in the background to sort of lull you into that false sense of security you were talking about. And then you get the jump scare and then the music jumps up again, like, with it. So it definitely helps uh, with that kind of a flow. The music was done by Jerry Goldsmith, whose other credits include... Total Recall and Star Trek. And then Mulan. <laughs> so he does space movies um, and then cartoon. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell uh, he's done Star Trek and he's done. Uh, what'd you say before that? Total Recall. Yeah, he did Total Recall and then he did a Star Trek um, and he did this movie. So there's definitely that through line there with the whole, you know, emptiness of space. He seems like the go-to guy for action movies in the 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. Given the length of the movie, which was about two hours long, I'd say, uh, the Xenomorph is actually only on screen for four minutes, which, once you think about it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hardly ever actually on screen. But Well, that's, like, the scariest, because it's kind exactly. of, like... It's the thing, like, you don't know where it is. Like, and, with Jaws. Mm-hmm. The shark isn't really on screen. I know that's due to a technical limitation, um, but, I mean, it worked out, Because right? they wanted it on screen more. Yeah. But it's, like, to build kind of tension. Of you don't know what's hunting them. Yeah. Like, the less you show it, the scarier exactly. it is. And like, what was it that we were talking about with that? Oh, in Return of the... Not Return of the Jedi. Empire Strikes Back. 
Strikes Back. <laughs> Episode one. If you like old people now. Yeah. With the Wampa. Right. It's like the monster that you know is there, mm-hmm. but you don't. You're not given too much where it's just too obvious. Yeah. And even when you do see it, it's like it's really in flashes and glimpses and. And then there's flashing lights, and it's dark, and there's people running around and screaming. Yeah, it works that the creature is black, because then it kind of blends Yeah, it blended into the shadows. And so it's like, like at the end when it's in the ship, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can see its head in the background. Yeah. But you're not really sure. It's like, is that the alien? Yeah, that looks really familiar, but I thought she was safe now. Yeah. And then it got, like, super quiet for, like, 50 seconds. Yeah. And then she touches something, and then the hand drops out, and you're like, oh my god, it's still there. Yeah. And it's just like camouflage. Right. Like the ultimate predator. Shout out. So another thing cool thing about this movie apparently is that during production Ridley Scott brought in like a focus group of women. Mm-hmm. Um to kind of gain their uh perspective. Right. And that doesn't I don't like for a sci-fi movie, that's like really cool. Yeah. That they would do that. And they're, you're, we're given, like, two pretty important female characters. Um, obviously the main character. Yeah. But Lambert was pretty cool in sort of her reserved quietness and distance. And I kind of felt for her a lot more than any of the other crew members. Yeah. Because it seemed like I really wanted her to make it out alive, too. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously everybody, but... This almost seems like a response to where, like, those horror movies where it seems like the black guy's dying first. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the females are dying. Right. Where it's just like, but they made it the furthest. Yeah, yeah, but they made it the furthest in this film because like the last, last three ones. people, like the white guys, die off first, mm-hmm. and then the android, which is a white white guy, he yeah. dies too, and then you're left with the two women and a black and a guy. black guy and a cat. <laughs> yes, we have to throw the cat in there. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's pretty like... cool. Um, it may have been intentional, but even if it wasn't, it's pretty cool how that worked out. I mean, I feel like if you're... Because, like, casting directors, they're so specific with everything. Yeah. You know, representation is very cool. cool. Yeah. And this was, like, in the late 70s. So, apparently, uh, when they're discovering the alien ship that's, like, on the planet, um, Ridley Scott actually brought in his two sons in place of the actors to make that prop, which is, like, this gigantic seat thing, like a telescope, uh, to make it look bigger. He used his sons because, obviously, they're shorter than the actors. So it's sort of that, I don't want to say forced perspective, but... Yeah, like it gives a sense of scale. Yeah, it gives that sense of scale, even though it's not truly that big. Also, how cute do you think they looked in their tiny spaces? Right? <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know that I have much more to say. Yeah. It was really good. What did you think? Overall, this was actually our both our first time seeing the movie. Yeah. Um, I watched someone play the game Alien Isolation, which is based on this movie. Um, it's not the exact same story, but it, they did a good job in the game of capturing the movie, which yeah. did a good job of presenting itself. Uh, they really catch, like, the style of it. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't uh, watch more than, like, five minutes of that, so that's why I was really yeah, tense it was, watching this. Cause I'm just like, right. Because it is, like, just, like, everything is structured so... Narrowly. Not narrowly. Yeah, like, claustrophobic. Yeah, okay, so narrowly. Yeah, because, yeah, like, they're in that, they're in their spaceship or whatever, and there's only, like, these small hallways and air ducts, and then the alien can basically fit into all of those things, too. Yeah. So then they're basically trapped. Like, um, the worst is when the Captain Dallas 
is in the he's in the air duct and they're like no it's behind you it's that way and then he turns around and it's right there yeah it's my birthday (laughs) it's my birthday (laughs) that was like the worst for me because i'm just like oh my god yeah so to survive the movie we made the joke that it was the alien's birthday and it just wanted to party with the crew members and we made it it, it, it's it's still scary though it's still pretty scary but you should watch it if i want to watch the sequels now you do yeah like, I, th- I think I'd be okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can handle it. Because the next one is by... God, what is his name? James Cameron? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's supposed to be more of, like, just an, a straight-up action flick rather than a horror flick. Right. Um, <laughs> I also think it's funny that when James Cameron was, like, proposing the sequel to Alien, mm-hmm. he just, like, wrote Alien on the board and then wrote an S at the end <laughs> and then put a line down it. <laughs> Like, for like a dollar aliens sign. and this will make you money yeah yeah and they're like well he has a point well yeah <laughs> so let's do it. it yeah um but yeah but it um, just makes it really makes me want to learn more about that universe like i know i saw prometheus before this mm-hmm. and so I've i feel like mixed reviews about prometheus i feel like visually it looks awesome but then again most yeah movies, the visuals in that movie were really good yeah most movies modern day look pretty awesome but then it's what i just wish they had worked on the plot somewhere. right exactly once you work on the visuals that much, you got to put some effort into the plot too. Yeah, it's like well, if you don't put effort in one place, you're putting effort. Exactly. In another. So you got to find that balance. Yeah. Which is definitely possible. There are definitely good modern movies. There are good modern. There movies. Are good modern movies. <laughs> we'll get to those next. We week. will get to them. Okay, so next week we're going to be watching "Let the Right One In." Yep, which is a movie from 2008. So yes, we're moving it's a to Swedish movie. A Swedish movie. Is it in Swedish? Yeah, we're gonna. Are you okay with reading subtitles? Are you lying to me? No. So it's in Swedish? Yeah, it's in Swedish. All right, that's cool. I'll focus on the words instead of being scared. Um, (laughs) And that was made in 2008, so we're moving to the modern uh, films, as promised. Uh, So we'll we'll get to see how the genre has evolved and changed and maybe stayed the same uh, over the years. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, if you weren't listening last week... Our intro music is done by the brilliant Simeon Williams. His band, Black Hills, you can check out on Facebook and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Where can you find us, Brandon? You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Amateur Film School. Um, just search Amateur Film School and we'll pop right up. Yep, and if you have any comments, suggestions, ideas, you can email us at amateurfilmschool at gmail.com. Right. Thanks, guys. Cool. That's a wrap. <laughs>